0: So being able to identify that moment that something is hard and something's a challenge, and yes, it is uncomfortable, but that's actually quite normal. That's not representative of the fact that you can't do it or you don't know what you're doing or you know, you're know you a fraud or you shouldn't be in that role. It's just uncomfortable situations is what develops us and grows us, especially as a new manager.
1: Hi, I'm Hannah and together with Steph, we started Wiser to help people understand their why, become wiser and thrive in their careers. So here we are with the Get Wiser podcast. Enjoy.
0: What are we here to talk about today?
1: We are here to talk today about imposter syndrome. So for those of you who may or may not have heard of imposter syndrome, we did a little Googling and care of Oxford Dictionary. Imposter syndrome is the inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. Now, hands up if you have been guilty of imposter syndrome. Note, both of our hands are up right now. So, you know, people in new roles often will attribute their career progression or promotion to luck rather than skill. Um, and often put a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect or make sure their work is perfect. Now, I know in last week's episode, I did share a wise learning from my dad. Um, and here we are back again with some more wise words from from dad. So he always said to me, any anytime I was like, hey, like, wish me luck. He would say, luck is the intersection of hard work and opportunity. So dad, I know you're listening. Thank you very much for sharing those wise words. It's definitely something that I've carried on into my career and understanding, you know, recognising my skill and where I've been recognised and that my success is from, again, the intersection of my hard work and opportunities. Thoughts, Steph? Mm, Agree. I've heard that before as well.
0: Luck follows hard work kind of hard to remember in the moment because often imposter syndrome comes with overwhelm it's hard to stop yourself in the moment and go no I'm not just
1: lucky like I actually do know what I'm doing and you hear that sometimes too it's like and I feel like it's really like uh, prevalent in Australia and New Zealand is that tall p- poppy syndrome and people saying well she just got lucky or he just you know just got handed that on a silver spoon and actually not recognizing what's celebrated about people is like their own hard work and I think that's you know, we could do a, maybe we park that and we talk about tall poppy syndrome in another episode because that could be a whole 30 minutes worth of listening. But, you know, thinking about examples of how imposter syndrome has like manifested itself in our careers and its impact on self-confidence and performance.
0: Mm. I've got two actually. So talking about luck, I always was really guilty of thinking that like only reason I was good in quotation marks at my job was because I was like really lucky to work on big clients or I was lucky to work on a client that had lots of learning opportunities. Um, But the reality of that is the reason I got to continually work on clients like that was because I always made sure I delivered. It wasn't just because I was lucky. There always is a component of right place, right time. But if you work hard and you deliver on what you're meant to do, then you will get those opportunities. Um, Another example, something I always used to do, is I would always, I would always think like, why as a new manager, oh, this person's not going to listen to me or not going to believe what I'm saying, like, or they're not going to, you know, take this seriously. And that was me thinking that. Um, So something I would always do was I would, when I was explaining something to someone, I would default by saying like, oh, well, this is actually how, you know, my boss explained it to me. So what I was doing was trying to create this like immediate authority with someone more senior had actually said this and this is why I'm saying it. Yeah. Not like, oh, this is my idea. It's, oh, actually, um, you know, my boss told me this. So, you know, um, <laughs> the reality is I actually just whatever I said, I just made up. Not as in I made up that it wasn't I, real. It was but, coming
1: from you, but like you kind of like yeah. layered that into established. Yeah, like, like the, the fictional credibility.
0: situation yeah. of my boss told me was a fictional situation you know nine out of ten times my boss never told me that I just thought it would make whatever I was gonna say authoritative and did it work sometimes yes sometimes well who knows really like yeah how am I to know what that other person was going to believe or not believe I'll never know question
1: question when did you stop saying that
0: um
1: or like what what did you have and what confidence did you build in yourself to l- let go of that piece
0: yeah good question i think it's definitely a um something you build in yourself where i don't know just after i can't pinpoint a time where i stopped doing that i just know that yeah. i eventually stopped doing it because i was like well no like i am the authority like this is depending on what it was this is my client this is my job like you know and <laughs> it's very easy i think I know it's something I've struggled with particularly was imposter syndrome would make me in certain situations, not necessarily feel respected in the role I was in. But again, that's a feeling, right? That's how I felt. That's not me saying you, Hannah, you don't respect me and what I'm saying. That's just, that's really just imposter syndrome, right? Where you think that you're not being respected, but, who knows? That's not, how can you ever know? So yeah, I think I, along the way, just decided like, no, I'm the authority. Like if someone
1: has a problem with it or they don't believe me, then they can go do the work and find out. That's that. I completely agree. And you know, it's, it's that whole, you know, people project like their perception of the situation. I know for me and in particular, I, I found myself in a manager role, like quite young. I say 10 years ago, it's going to show my age, but I was about 23. And I remember really struggling to sort of establish that confidence in myself because I was a young female in a leadership role, leading some instances, men that were older than me and having to, you know, be, be the person that was, you know, leading from the front. And I found I, like, I worked doubly hard to try, like prove myself in that instance. Mm. However, now obviously like i know more and i know better that any like lack of respect or um perhaps you know questions of my authority or what have you is their own innate bias and i can't control that and i have no control over that all i can do is you know do my best work as hard as i can and you can only lead from your strongest position and know that some people might not like fall into that and it's, I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. I'm kind of rambling here, but so many things that could be spoken about, like age and gender in that space. But I think as well, letting that go, let it, like leaving that aside, because that's not something I can control and that's someone else's stuff, like, and really just working on my own confidence to make sure that I'm doing the best I can. Oh, exactly. And like,
0: it's a really unique thing that you'll never actually know whether someone does or doesn't respect you, whether they believe you or don't believe you, whether they see you as an authority or don't see you as authority, like you, that the individual will never, ever know that.
1: Yeah. I think as well too, it's like, it's one of those things that quite often you don't, you don't often learn how much of an impact you had on someone like in a positive way until you're no, no longer leading them anymore, whether they've been promoted or they've exited the business. Like, Sometimes it's like when people leave, like they share like, oh, you know, you really helped me with X, Y, Z and you don't know until after the fact and say, like, oh, in my head, I thought that actually I wasn't doing a good job or I wasn't leading you in the way that you needed to be led. But it's actually, you've had, you've had this profound impact on someone, but they haven't shared it until like later down the line. So it's like, oh, okay. If I actually just, you know, focused on myself and my confidence and my self-worth and my role, then I, all that noise would have been
0: non-existent. Yeah. Yeah, And the other thing, like as a new manager, you can really, like, you can often second guess the way you handled a situation or the way you managed a situation or whatever. Mm. Um, and and like, yeah, I I won't give specific examples, but like, (laughs) I can recall particular situations where I thought in myself, I had managed it really, really badly only like, you know, whether it be a year or two years later on the down the track, Someone involved was like, Yeah, I really like how you did that that time. And, you know, there, there's me like two years on going, oof, remember that time I really was a bit of a shitty manager. But the person on the receiving end was like, Oh, you, yeah, thanks. That really, you know, brought me into line, you know, in a really nice, political, politically correct way. But yeah. yeah, it's just like, I guess imposter syndrome is just quite blinding where you just you have this general belief that. You're not doing it right. You don't know what you're doing. You're flying by the seat of your pants. You're just winging it. And that's what it is, isn't it?
1: And often you are winging it, but it's just having the confidence in your own strengths and how you got to that position to continue to wing it in perhaps a more constructive way. So, you know, really mm-hmm. looking at your unique skill set and strengths as a new professional and like how they contributed to um, being in that, in that space. Yeah. I think a big thing that I've learned is, you know, so often even at school and stuff, you're like, okay, like what are your weaknesses? Like, how are we going to close that gap? How are we going to further develop into those skills? So your weaknesses and strengths, but there's so much and actually, okay, well, what are my strengths and how can I lead from there? Because that's a position of power and obviously strength. So Mm. that, that, that's your North star. And, Yes, we all have our weaknesses and you can do work to improve upon those, but focus more on your strengths rather than your weaknesses. And that's going to help instill that confidence in not only yourself, but the people that you're leading to.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's really, you're so right. We always focus on what's our, what's our weakness and how do we bridge that gap and how do we improve that? But never, you never stop and think about what your strengths are and why you're not an imposter. And it's because you have all these strengths, but you just, in the moment, you never acknowledge them.
1: No. And again, that's that tall poppy syndrome. You're, you're not encouraged to be like, hey, Steph, like, what are you really good at? You know, is there ever a conversation? It's like, oh, she can't do this, that, blah, 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 blah. But actually, if had the conversation been flipped... I think everybody would, you know, celebrate each other and it wouldn't be about bringing people down and be bringing people up. And I should probably stop talking about tall poppy syndrome because we can use that for future podcasts. But I think it's like, sometimes that's what feeds into that imposter syndrome.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. And really imposter syndrome is just tall poppy syndrome for yourself. It's what yeah. you do for yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Just tall poppying yeah.
1: yourself. Yeah. So to counter that then, like to counter your own imposter syndrome, how do you celebrate your accomplishments and your success?
0: Sorry, I just want to add one more thing. An important thing to remember when you're thinking about your strengths and you're thinking about, can I do it? I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing is just stopping to remember that progressing in your career always comes with challenges, right? And so when you, whenever you're challenged, you feel uncomfortable. And it's just acknowledging that feeling uncomfortable because there's a challenge isn't because you don't know how to do it. Feeling uncomfortable doesn't mean you can't do it. It Mm -hmm. just means that, you know, you're learning something new or you're developing yourself or, you know, it's not, it's just, it's just uncomfortable because you haven't done it before. So being able to identify that moment that something is hard and something's a challenge and yes, it is uncomfortable, but that's actually quite normal. That's not representative of the fact that you can't do it or you don't know what you're doing or, you know, you're a fraud or you shouldn't be in that role. It's just uncomfortable situations is what develops us and grows us, especially as a new manager.
1: Yeah. And it's that, like, embracing that newness and being a learner because it's not nice feeling not knowing what you're doing. So circling back
0: mm-hmm.
1: to our celebrations. Circling back corporate X. Yeah. <laughs> Just to pinpoint corporate X, the word deep dive, circling back as per B-hag. Oh gosh. I haven't heard that in so long. Mm. Big, hairy, audacious goal. I remember, I remember the first time I heard that in a like corporate setting and I just, I didn't know what it was. And I was too afraid yeah, to ask for, for quite some time. I'm like, what is this B-hag? No. See, I remember the first time again in a corporate setting
0: Hag written up on, on a whiteboard.
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly how it was.
0: And me just sticking my hand up and going like, sorry, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> and having it explained to me in front of everyone, actually turned out that 50% of the people There's were probably so there many people like, that didn't know. What the hell is she talking about? Frigging Behag? There you go. Some Valuable side. lesson, ask, because, yeah. ask the question because 50% of people don't know what... Someone else is talking about. I
1: was about to say, side note, like high chance you're not the only one with that question. So asking you to make a lot of people's days. So just to circle right back, I'm giving you that. Circle back to celebrations. So how we acknowledge and celebrate accomplishments, no matter how big or small. I think here it's like understanding. You know, sometimes your manager just isn't gonna have the space to be able to pat you on the back all the time. And so it's understanding how you can give that to yourself and really recognize that. Whether that's you're really clear on your goals and have clear milestones towards your goals so that you can tick them off and, you know, do your own celebration. Of course, as a manager and a leader, you need to be able to effectively like recognize and reward your people for, you know, who they are and what they do. And but also knowing that sometimes it has to come from yourself. Oh yeah, definitely. I think there's two, two parts there for the new manager
0: and for the person now reporting to a new manager yeah, is for the new manager, hey, don't forget to celebrate the wins. Um, but for the person reporting to someone, hey, get comfortable with being confident in your own abilities without a pat on the back, without, you know, constant celebration. Celebrate the wins, yeah, of course. But sometimes there's a win for you personally And sometimes there's a win for the entire organization. Yeah. And learn to celebrate yourself rather than always expecting to be celebrated.
1: I think that comes with, you know, learning how to reflect and like reflect on your performance and understand that piece. And, you Mm. know, sometimes as in a new role, it can be really good to spend, you know, twenty minutes, half an hour at the end of the week reflecting on, you know, what it was that you learned, like any gaps that you had, and that can be a really powerful way to you know fulfill that piece of celebration any other tidbits that we want to add on celebrations or maybe just highlighting that you can literally celebrate anything
0: no matter what stage of your career you're at I don't know if I think of myself as a grad the first time I had to speak to a client on the phone I did not know what I was talking about or what I was doing and like the fact that you know this was a long time ago now but at the time, you, you should be like, Oh yes, like great. I just spoke to the first client, like without <laughs> no catastrophe. Yay, win, tick. Like you can literally celebrate anything in yourself. I didn't expect my manager to go, oh pat on the back, good job, you spoke to a client, because they're like, you know, ten years in <laughs> spoken to a hundred clients. Yay. Well done.
1: That's exactly. your job. But I guess yes. that's just an example of celebrating yourself. I think so too because, you know, something like that for example could first time two two people could have completely different relationships with that like new experience. And so recognizing like, you know, I'm going to celebrate myself because that was actually quite scary and quite confronting and I did the thing. And then there's something else that someone else might do that could be equally as challenging for them and so people aren't going to know that level of difficulty or struggle doing something like that for the first time. So that is definitely a situation where you need to be able to pat yourself on the back and be like, you did good. And I think just one other
0: thing to add, celebrating yourself for what you did, not what you did compared to somebody else. Yes. And that's that's a whole other conversation yeah. about comparison is the thief of joy. Um, but if you can't, if you're trying to celebrate yourself against other people, everybody's different, everybody does things different ways, they do different things. If you're always comparing what you've done to someone else, you're going to go insane.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there's instances where there's been two people hired in the same role and they're completely different people, but they offer something different. So if you're going to compare yourself to that person, it's like, well, it's exactly, it's not productive whatsoever. So again, it's, we'll, we'll talk about comparison another day, along with tall poppy syndrome, but yeah. That's just going to, if anything, fuel your imposter syndrome
0: because you're just putting yourself up against someone else, someone different. Apples and oranges.
1: Well, I guess to summarise today's episode, we've discussed imposter syndrome, if, unless you've got anything else to add. No. Before I just dive a deep dive into the recap, <laughs> so, <laughs> we have chatted on imposter syndrome and what that looks like, what that definition is, and you know, how that shows up in a new role as a new manager. And really looking at, you know, how can you lead from a position of power by really embracing your strengths? What are those strengths? How can you lean into that and really let that lead your performance? And then mm-hmm. also celebrating your achievement, no matter how big, no matter how small, and knowing that sometimes like, you have to be your own biggest cheerleader and being able to pat yourself on the back with confidence in those instances and not needing that validation from someone else. Yeah. In a nutshell. Fabulous. Well, we'll we'll wrap that up then. Bye now.